Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. You know what that woo means. It means it's Friday. It means uh, we're in the home stretch now, second half of this two-hour program. You blink your eyes. You miss it. Mm. Today uh-oh, is uh-oh. National Radio Day today. Yeah. So we should be celebrating that we're on air and that everybody's listening. National Radio Day. How do you, you celebrate? You didn't, know how to, you didn't know how to react. I caught you off guard right there. I, I think we're I celebrating would, it right now. I think, yeah. yeah, by doing a radio show. Yeah, what yeah, better way to yeah. celebrate it? So, so thank you, Lucas. Of course, I've already thanked Mickey <laughs> in our green room meeting <laughs> that we have every day. We have like a mind meld. You know, we just like on Star Trek, we just communicate with each other non-verbally. We know what we're doing here. Um, so we asked this question to the Titans. Well, do they know what they're going to do with Ryan Tannehill? Do you want to see him play in the game? We ended our number one with that. Uh, people weighing in on the chat. Um Mike says in the chat is chatting as fast as we can go here. A vibe runner says, I'd like to see him play. I'm getting the vibe that he hasn't practiced so well with his newish offense. I know he's working with second tier receivers, but I feel there's more to it. Uh, Cousin Tower says, I want to see Taney week one and so on, but not in the preseason. Um, Mike did weigh in and said, maybe him not having his starting offensive line could factor in some of the tip balls because you're not. Yeah. Not oh, that's true too. Yes. Mm-hmm. With you know when you don't have Taylor. They keep saying it's a lot Jones of and, uh, you know traffic around them yes. every day. You know when they were going against their own team. You know the Titans. Uh, so that that would make a lot of sense. I man, I would want to play them like a series, but uh, I don't think I would risk it. I, I think I'm gonna try to give Woodside as much experience as possible. You know what I would do though? I would play some of the starters at least a series or two or a quarter the last preseason game, because you're going to have two weeks off. Yep. And it's not going to be the speed of a regular season game, but you must get your timing down. And I'm hoping that they get a chance to have not only A.J. Brown, which I'm not real concerned about, but Julio at practice getting the timing down on, on this offense and where he likes balls thrown to him and the sweet spots and everything else. Because, you know, Tannehill is very efficient and very accurate, so I want to make sure that they're on the same page uh, and, and and with that being said, all the offense in the offensive line, I want to see them back out there practicing, even if it's in a limited role, because that tells me that they're on the way to being back out there. And so you want to kind of ease them back into the flow. Yep. So, so the Titans may be, they may wait till after the last preseason game. They go up. Oh, we got two weeks so to get you guys ready. You know, and so I'm, I'm interested to see if, if he plays the last game, but I, I would want him to, but man, if it's, you know, if I don't have my starting offensive line, I'm not putting my franchise quarterback out there. I just can't do it. I, I can't even put my franchise running back out there. So. Well, right now they don't know who the right tackle is. And if they know, then certainly they're not saying. Because Lamb is still hurt too, right? Yep. So we haven't seen much of Nate Davis at right guard. I know. And Ben Jones. And, and Ben Jones. What did Buck say? It's been two weeks since we've seen him. And we know Lawan is kind of, you know, just doing individuals more so. Uh, gradually getting back into the the team yeah. part of it, but not you know against Tampa Bay coming off a big injury, Lawan. So I they're easing him. him in. Roger Saffold, who hardly practices at all during the regular season, we've been seeing a lot of Roger Saffold. Oh yeah, and that dude, I mean, he's got some some miles on those tires. So throughout the because people are going to see that he doesn't practice a lot during the regular season. Don't freak out because he didn't practice a lot during the regular season last year. And when Lawan came back, and those two got in sync. Yeah, he's getting Watch the heck out over there. Oh yeah, no doubt. But he, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's been out there. So I don't know if they're going to play him either. I mean, like he's been practicing. So I don't know if I would play him. He's my only healthy guy over my starting unit. Man, no way. So no, I, as much as I want him out there, 
I, I just uh, this this game, no. And I don't want to see King take a snap. I, I want to see like Derrick Henry drinking Gatorade or looking at you know a Microsoft Surface or something over there. I don't want to see him take a. I don't want to see him take oh. one hit. So that means we're going to get to see you know all the running backs because the the backup is uh, injured too. So everybody that was three, four, and five now become one, two, three. Yep. Look at that right there. Opportunity is what I I call it, and I say seize your opportunity. You should be run. The running back should be lit. He should be so jacked up. He, he you mean like control your emotions so you can get some sleep the night before the game? Because I'm like I'm about to showcase whether it's with the Titans or somebody else. Somebody somebody about to see uh, NFL running back that was running third or fourth team, and now they're gonna say, "Well, shoot, this guy can be in our little rotation. He could be our, you know, our, our backup." That's where I'd be thinking opportunity. Nothing's given. Take it. Go get it. Watch this. What do you freaking have to lose at this point? If you go with that mindset, once you, you're that you know, undrafted, late-round guy, hey, man, what do you have to lose? It's opened up right here. Showcase. What's the worst thing that happen? You get cut and you get put on a practice squad because you did well? Ooh. Yeah. And they ain't going to have enough numbers. Oh, the NFL? They keep good players, regardless if they are stacked at the numbers or not. We used to say it all the time, man, why do they have uh, so many receivers on a, you know, practice squad? Well, those guys are pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. And they know the offense. And it's crazy because look at the Titans' offensive line. You had four of the starters back, and then you had guys like Questenberry and Sam Brilo, who were going who are incumbents on the team who have a chance to win the the right tackle spot or Kendall Lamb who's played a lot of football well none of those guys are playing so everybody else is getting a shot to showcase what they can do but they're saying the backup center is even hurt so I'm like the brewer the brewer kid Uh, uh, yeah Aaron Brewer yeah Yeah, so I'm like man uh can can we can we can we get Stinney back from Tampa Bay he started a Super Bowl (laughs) yeah Aaron Stinney yeah we can get him back we get him back we need him well I mean this is looking like they're gonna have to look for a backup center when cuts did start getting cut. Like, they've been shuffling safeties in and out. Oh, so, no, 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 no. So, you're telling me Brewer may be out for an extended period of time? He is on. Naturally, we know nothing about anybody's injury. Oh, and yeah. What they have or is it. Can, can they at least give us, like, lower body or upper body? At least go to hockey route. Give us something, Vrabes. Come on, man. We just out here. Then we, we sit here talking about him. And then we're like, oh, I don't know. I think it might have been his knee. His ankle. His shin. His nail. Yeah, I think he had an ingrown toenail. Really bothered. Those things hurt too, by the way. So don't make fun of that. He's on the non. He's on the non-football injury list. Aaron Brewer, non-football injury. That means he got hurt without uh, before he got to start practicing. Did he practice from day one? What you got to ask? No, I, I don't think he practiced. I don't think he's practiced at all. I don't think so. So that means he was injured coming into camp. And he's like Caleb Farley came in on the non-football injury list because right. he got hurt long before he ever got here. Right. So, like, non-football injury, meaning you didn't get injured here. Well, hopefully he's getting close. That dude's well-rounded. Aaron Brewer, hey, man, he went to Texas State. Y'all don't know about him because you don't watch Sunbelt football, and I, I get it. I, I watch it. But anyway, that dude's well-rounded. Like, he's a pretty good player. He can play guard. He can play center. He can play – if you can play those three interior spots, guess what? Your butt gets to dress on game day. Hey, man, center's down. Aaron Brewer, hop out there. Left Even guard, right guard. Play. I got you. No mm-hmm. problem. Four series. If you're a backup old lineman, you got to play like three positions. Yeah. 
I mean, you just, that's what they're doing with Dylan Raidens. They want to dress him on game day. So he's got to be able to play multiple positions. They want him to be the first guy off the bench. First guy off the and, bench. And there's nothing wrong with that as a, as a drafted guy, uh, even in the second round. And, and if he showed out really well, he have his chance to start. But they covered themselves by having some veteran guys come back just in case the development is a little slower than they want, which is you know, offensive linemen usually develop a little bit slower than most positions. Theoretically, that, that's not all the time, uh, but most of the time. They, they Usually that second year, I know everybody takes a huge jump, but usually halfway through that first year, they start really getting it, and he didn't play football. So I, I think he's doing fairly well. Pretty solid. Let's give him that, especially doing guard and tackle, yeah. two different skill sets and techniques. Well, and the thing you brought up is this. You brought up his effort after you watched the game oh, a second time. And here's Ooh. the thing, man. I, I can't coach effort. You either do it or you don't, and he's mm. doing it. It's mm. like, okay, your technique's a little rusty. I you played it. You played one game last year against like Central Arkansas. Okay, that you can't help. But if you try it, if you give it everything you got, I can work with that. Yeah. And, and you, you, you can teach the technique. Effort. Yeah, I could, his effort. I know one time he came up a little short on a backside block on a linebacker who took off which is probably one of the hardest things an offensive lineman has to do is chase down and cut him off. He didn't get there by any means, but hit you talking about riding it and he was out to get him. He was going to get him. It was nowhere around it. So, and that was just a play. He didn't make the play, but I'm still seeing what I need to see out of him. Oh, yeah, and most guys aren't going to make that block anyway, but he, he seemed really athletic and he can move. I, I, you know, something about effort as well as then that's going to turn in as an offensive lineman into killer. And when I say killer, that means don't be standing around a pile because he's running. Guess what? That locomotive is hard to slow down. They can't stop immediately. So when I get there, I'm going to finish somebody. Somebody's right. going to get in my way. Even if I try to stop, I'm still running into somebody. Echo of the whistle guy. Yeah. 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 They, they <laughs> reminded me of like Runyon. Yeah. Runyon. Oh, it, boo, man. That was close to the, the man. You better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, John. All right. Lucas is about to blow the whistle on us for this first segment. Brandon Marcello, there's a lot going on in the college football world right now. Nobody covers it quite like Brandon Marcello. He joins us next from 247 Sports with the latest on alliances and expansion and you name it. There's a bunch of stuff. We'll get to all of it next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Brandon Marcello joins us now at B Marcello on Twitter. The letter B, not like B, like a B that buzzes, although that might be an interesting Twitter handle. B Marcello, college football nationally for 24-7 sports. Um, so let's get to this first, Brandon. First of all, welcome in. Great to talk to you again. But what's going on with this alliance of the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because uh, in looking into this, it seems like a whole lot of it is, or, or at least one of the big points, and SEC fans will be interested in hearing this, is delaying the expansion of the college football playoff. Yeah, you know, these three conferences are wanting to come together and kind of be in lockstep when it comes to the legislative process, but particularly uh, playoff expansion. And the idea is, is to try to delay this playoff expansion going to 12 teams or maybe even considering which would give them more time to consider maybe even alternate plans even though we're two steps into like this three-step process with some pretty much some um, uh, you know pre pre-approvals so to speak where you know we were expecting in September 
uh, things would just be rubber stamped. But now with the SEC expanding, you've got a kind of some outrage <laughs> from from elsewhere across the country. And um, you know, I, I'm just not certain that um, delaying the 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 expansion is going to give those three conferences exactly what they need. And in fact, the idea of maybe delaying it would only really set up where it's supposed to be anyway, which is in 2026, they end up expanding anyway. I think the idea possibly here is to delay it from being expanded, say in like 2024 um, or something like that, which could maybe be the first year of OU and Texas being in the SEC, which would then of course set the SEC up to get more teams in the playoff and and, in the early goings of everything. But having said that, I think there needs to be, and I'm put, injecting some opinion in here, but I also think it's some reality. They kind of need to just sit back and realize that expanding the playoff is not one of the big issues when it comes to fighting the SEC. One of the big issues is having a, a voice equal to or more powerful than the SEC when it comes to the restructuring of the NCAA as we kind of move forward with that. And I'm not so certain that trying to delay the expansion of the playoff is going to really amount to anything for them because in the end, the SEC, whether it's four teams or 12 teams or eight teams, the SEC is going to get the majority of those teams in uh, the playoff anyway because of the blue blood programs they will have in the SEC with OU and Texas joining. So I'm kind of – I'm kind of at a loss here. I, I believe some of this, some of these ideas and kind of coming together, uh, the, the target is misplaced a little bit on this. Brandon Marcello joins us here on Blaine and Mickey talking college football. He's with 24-7 Sports. <laughs> well, Brandon, I, I think the obvious deal is uh, why is the Big 12 not part of this conversation? And we all know the answer. You can tell us. And, and then what are – the big 12 thinking right now and what are they going to do with the remaining teams in the near future? Yeah. I mean, the big 12 left out for good reason. The, they're on one leg right now, hopping around, hoping that they're a lizard and can grow another leg. Um, and uh, that doesn't look too likely right now, not in this environment. And so, you know, the big 12 conference as a whole, they're, they're just trying to stay alive and looking at potential options for expansion itself. When I say expansion, I mean, remaining at 10 teams instead of shrinking to eight, or maybe what even the conference could look like at eight. They're also trying to keep their members happy and, and stable here for the next several months so that they can go forward and, you know, uh, make a mark on the landscape, so to speak, for the next five to 10 years. Having said that, I mean, several members, and I know for a fact, have already started, you know, not necessarily talking to conferences, but they're preparing you know, alternative plans just in case. They're trying to find exit routes that would be uh, a little bit easier for them to take if this thing were to kind of fall apart. But having said that, I do believe that these eight remaining schools are doing a pretty good job of trying to stick together and trying to salvage this thing. But I think uh, the majority of them are ready to to jump if they have to. Having said that, uh, of course, most spots, or really landing spots at all that would uh, even entice them or even interest them should the Big 12 dissolve, which is, you know, obviously looking likely. Well, with uh, Brandon Marcello, I guess give us your take on what you 
think will happen, and you can change your mind down the road five years from now with the actual Big 12? Yeah, I think it'll be gone. Um, I think it'll be done for. Um, I, I don't know if that looks like, you know, when I say done for, I, I just think that, you know, I don't think all these eight teams will remain to me. Um, now, six of them might stick around, four of them might stick around and combine with the AAC or or go get some other other members or whatever, but I just don't see these eight sticking together in the way it looks right now, and for that matter, a conference, quote-unquote, being the Big 12 that we know uh, today. It will not include the majority of the members that we have come accustomed to, especially when we first saw this thing come together you know, 20 years ago, um, 25 years ago. But, um, you know, I, I think what's going to be more interesting is where do some of these teams go? Um, what, what do they kind of see as their, their future options? And right now, I'm be quite honest, I mean, a lot of them just don't know. They don't quite know what their options would be. And, uh, you know, it's kind of frightening for them, but that's the reality. I mean, they can talk all they want about, hey, you know, West Virginia, for example, like maybe being the ACC, but the fact of the matter is the ACC is not very interested in that option right now. Um, and why would they? Now, could they, you know, spice up an offer, so to speak, by West Virginia saying, hey, we got Notre Dame to, to, to come join us or whatever? Yeah, yes, yeah, certainly. But that's not really in the reality of things at this moment. But having said that we're in an, in an atmosphere and environment, I should say right now where you can pretty much just expect the unexpected. We've seen it over the last year and a half in co collegiate athletics where we have had massive seismic changes and not just once in a generation changes. We're talking about once in a lifetime changes for a lot of people. And so um, I, 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 I could tell you what I kind of expect and what we'll see, but you know, listen, I don't think anybody quite knows what's going to happen because it, it could be crazy and and very well could be and probably will be based off of what we've just seen over the last year. Mm. We're on with uh, Brandon Marcello, college football uh, reporter. Brandon, I, I wrote this down a couple of weeks ago on a sheet of paper. I wrote, now is the time to be good at football, talking about expansion time, because if you want to have a shot at, at being looked at, you know, by the next rung of the ladder – got to be good at football and then the the preseason polls drop and I see Cincinnati's eight in the AP and uh they're 10 in the coaches poll I would imagine Cincinnati what's the term peacocking I would imagine right now they're doing everything they can uh to be spotted by the big 12 to say look man top 10 football Cincinnati and the other school that comes to mind for me is UCF just because it's like 70,000 people that go to UCF They've got, I don't know how many thousand alums under the age of 40. It's something crazy like that, but it's in a destination city. It's a young school with young alums. If I'm the Big 12, I, I would think right now I'd be in some clandestine hotel room or parking garage pitching something to those two schools right now. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, that, that would make a lot of sense from the Big 12's perspective. But also, even from Cincinnati and UCS perspective, what is there to gain as of right now by joining that conference other than being that part of that quote unquote power five uh, equation? And does that, the big 12 remain a power five conference, so to speak in this autonomy five uh, working group, so to speak, you know, four or five years down the road, I, I've got my questions about that. Um, especially as we're seeing this 
<clears throat> this this partnership among these other three conferences. The Big 12 is not involved for a reason because they're not seen as a Power Five conference going into the future, and that's that should be worrisome for any school that's getting talked to by by the Big 12. I mean, it might sound enticing at face value, but the Big 12 in three years is going to be nothing like the Big 12 is today. And then financially, UCF and Cincinnati, how will that payout financially for the Big 12 differ from the payout they're getting in the AAC right now, in the American? I'm not so certain that it would be substantial. We've seen the studies here the last couple of weeks where without OU and Texas, more than 50% of the annual payout will, will drop in the Big 12. We're talking numbers that are just above the AAC or Mountain West. So would it make sense if you're an AAC school to jump to the Big 12? I'm not so certain. Having said that, the Big 12 would be smart and not only talking to these schools, but also talking to their broadcast partners and trying to figure out, okay, listen, we're not really going to try it. We're not going to get into some legal issues here and tell you what teams we think we're talking to. But let's throw some hypotheticals out. School A is a 40,000 enrollment and has this type of ratings and stuff for their football and basketball games and stuff like that. How would you value that in a new TV contract? And then the Big 12 can kind of prepare that way and then potentially be able to entice other members to join them based off a different financial package that might not be quite what we're seeing right now in these studies that have been released publicly. Um, but like I said, if you're UCF or Cincinnati, three years ago, this sounds like a good idea. Right now, I'm, I'm not so certain. And good stuff from Brandon Marcello. Um how serious are things at Nebraska? And do you think this was something where someone inside of Nebraska uh, maybe leaked this out to try to move on from Scott Frost a little more cheaply? Because I think they owe him like twenty more million dollars. Yeah, I mean that's possible. I, you know, I've got my own questions about whether that's actually the case. I think this was something that was just kind of begging to be leaked out, and it finally leaked out. Um, it's been going on for several months, apparently. You know, obviously, I, you know, I didn't have any idea. I don't. I'm not following Nebraska from day to day, but it's one of those things that was about to come to head during the season. It certainly appears that it was going to leak out. And um, having said that, I think Nebraska might might have more issues trying to run into that situation of reducing his buyout and firing him because this is a, this is a situation where more would have to come to light that hasn't already come to light about it. And, and that, I mean that there'd have to be other violations on top of what's already been happening because if you wait till the end of the season, it's going to be very clear of, Oh, you just fired him because of what happened this season, not because of this investigation. Um, you know what I mean? So if you're wanting to make a change because of these alleged violations, you would have done it already instead of waiting a few months to see how the season goes. And then that, that just does not help you legally really at all. But having said that, there's always negotiations. Um, we know that. And I, I think even without these violations of Scott Frost, you know, led this team to another four wins to a four win season or something like that, they probably would find a way to negotiate a buyout down anyway. And um, I, I think, listen, in the end, Nebraska is going to make a change if this season's really bad. That, that's just going to happen, whether there was an investigation or not. Um, 
So I, I, I know a lot of people say that $20 million is a lot, and it is, but I think Nebraska would find a way to get out from from Scott Frost if it was really, really bad this year. Brandon. But with this investigation, it helps. And secondly, with this investigation, I don't think Nebraska is really going to have a good argument against like some penalties of anything along those lines. So um, like maybe you've seen at Baylor or other schools, um, this is a much different situation. And if things get real serious, Nebraska could, could get hit. Yeah, but added to that, don't they have a new AD, Nebraska? Yeah, Trev Alberts. Um, I, I met him, I guess, at Big Ten Media Days. He's, uh, I'll tell you what, he, he's very level-headed and very much understands the uh, environment there at Nebraska, having been part of it, you know, as a player, but also as, as an alum. And um, I, I think Trev is, uh, you know, he's going to be very entrenched in things. I, I would not be surprised if he goes kind of radio silent this fall as this all kind of uh, progresses or regresses, whatever you want to say. But um, I, I don't think Trev Alberts will be the type of guy that will be afraid to make changes if they're needed. Right, because this is not his guy that he hired. Yeah, Exactly. Brandon Marcello, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey, National College Football Reporter with 24-7 Sports. Well, naturally, uh, Brandon, uh, you know, this is uh, preseason poll time, so I want to focus on the SEC. What's been uh, your, your, your predictions on how – the East and West will go in the SEC. Yeah, I think pretty, you know, typical of what everybody else expects. Alabama and Georgia, of course. I think A and M and LSU obviously will battle for that second spot in the West. Though I got A and M getting the uh, advantage there. Um, but my surprise teams in the SEC that I've, I've got on my predictions is uh, Mizzou in the East and potentially um, Arkansas in the West. Um, I like what Arkansas returns defensively. I think Barry Odom obviously did a great job with that defense last season. Um, as long as they're able to continue to play off the ball, play a lot of zone and mix things up and confuse opponents like they did last season, especially against Ole Miss and Mississippi State, some of these past happy offenses, I like Arkansas to maybe get to a bowl game this year potentially as a six-win team. Uh, Mizzou, I think, is going to end up being the third best team uh, in the East behind Georgia and Florida. I really like what they did offensively last year, obviously. That defense, if it just improves a little bit, um, they're going to do very well. And so I kind of compare Mizzou and Ole Miss a lot as far as when they look at personnel, what they've got coming back, and then obviously their Achilles heels from last season, that being their defenses. Um, and, you know, Ole Miss, if they just improve slightly on defense, and the same with Mizzou, those are two teams that could very well win eight games, maybe more, um, though I'm a little bit – I'm actually higher on Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss could challenge and maybe even win nine games potentially if all things go right. But Mizzou, I, I would not be surprised to see them win eight games this year. Man, you so you talked about the East. So you said Georgia, Florida, then Mizzou. How do you have the, the East uh, after that? I'm trying to reflect here. I think I got Kentucky right behind Mizzou um, there, um, though, of course, you know, the the issues there with uh, the off the field stuff makes me wonder and uh, about what's going on there. Um, and then, of course, I've got Tennessee just below that. Fifth, okay. I, I think Tennessee is going to be a team that gets to a bowl game this year um, and doesn't do so by sneaking in. I think they could win seven games, maybe, but probably more like six. Um, you know, be bow eligible, I should say. And then and then beyond that, of course, Carolina and then Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Carolina's in for a world of hurt this year. I think fans obviously are 
have kind of checked their expectations a little bit at Carolina after last year. And then, of course, looking at the, the depth chart and the roster. But, um, you know, you look at their recruiting um, and all that. This has been kind of being set up for the last couple of years. And, then of course, with some of the defections they've had, some of the losses they've had with personnel and players, this is a rebuilding job at Carolina. It's going to take two to three years before they get back and do you know, bowl eligibility realm. It's going to be a little bit. And then Vanderbilt, I mean, goodness gracious, that that's a rebuilding project. It's going to be four or five years in the making. Ew. Brandon, Marcelo, on the way out, let me just ask you this. Is there anything that you're hearing at all about the Tennessee investigation or how long it is? They've, they've, what we hear on our end is we're cooperating every day and the amount of money that Tennessee has spent has been Freedom of Information Act searched a few times, so we know I, I, it was three-quarter of a million the last time I saw it. How close are we to any kind of resolution on this? Have you heard anything? I have not. It's uh, been pretty quiet, and usually when it's very quiet, it's exactly the reason why is exactly what you said. Uh, there's a lot of legal uh, maneuvering going on, a lot of either cooperation. Usually it's cooperation. Um, from the other side, from, say, Tennessee's side at this point. And it's the way to lessen the blow. I think uh, it certainly sounds like Tennessee's going about the right way. We'll see what that results, what the results are with that. Um, But, um, listen, the NCAA's um, timing of things, especially when it comes to investigations, Mm -hmm. is completely unpredictable. And, of course, heck, talk about the basketball scandal that's been going on for years several years uh, elsewhere across the country we're still waiting to hear any potential resolution at several schools so you know we'll see i know tennessee fans want it done and done quickly but i'll say this i think the longer it goes the better position tennessee's in i, I don't think it's the opposite i think a lot of people worry because it goes on so long like well what else are they going to dig up i think the longer it goes on that means tennessee's doing a pretty good job of uh kicking this ball down the road and, and kind of lessening the uh, pain a little bit. Brandon, always great to catch up with you. People need to follow you at B Marcello on Twitter. Of course, uh, anywhere they like to check out 24 seven sports. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Brandon Marcello. All right. We come back on Friday. The last segment we call our shot. Also Blaine has a greeting from South of the border. We'll explain <laughs> Blaine and Mickey. Bernie Pollard's up there, too. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. I got it. A little more rain outside today. I don't remember in August where it rained this much, but here we go. We needed it. I'll take it. That's what the crops are saying right now. They oh, need my it. gosh. Yeah, absolutely they are. As a former farmer, I can promise you the crops are yeah. drinking this No in. snakes. No snakes. No, I had some snakes. So, Lucas Panzica came in and read this. There's a Titans Family Mexico <laughs> Twitter account, and they tweeted – I guess it's part of like a countdown of, of all time Titans. So they have Blaine Bishop. There's, I say that because there's a number 31 and then it has your picture and, and it has a number oh, 31. Like so like they've got you at number, I guess at number 31. Some of this stuff I can read, but Lucas Panzica came in here. There's a whole thread and Lucas basically translated it all because he's our, you're the show um, content creator. You're our yeah. chief and content officer. And Lucas Panzica is our show linguist. He's also our show <laughs> translator. Um, do you know what all of this says? But it looks like it appears to be saying some very nice things about Blaine Bishop. 
They know a lot about you, Blaine. I'll say that. <laughs> well, <they laughs> Go down know. the list. Do they name? Do they know uh, more than my wife? Um, no, no mention of, of wife or family. But, but I mentioned on there. Yeah, yeah. The yes, you are. Yeah, I, I'll read it out for you. Okay. Blaine Bishop, posición safety, estadísticas, uh, 743 tacleadas, 743 career tackles. Oh. I bet you didn't even know that. No, I did. Cuatro <laughs> selecciones de Pro Bowl, four-time Pro Bowl. You knew that. Dato curioso, an interesting fact about you. Actualmente es co-anfitrión de la programa de Hadrio en Nashville llamado Blaine in Mickey con Mickey Ryan and WGFX 104.5 The Zone. También entrena la defensa en Davidson Academy, un Nashville escuela secundaria privada oh, de, la, de la área. You coach at Davidson Academy, you coach defense at a local private school in Nashville. En los días de juego de los Titans, se puede escuchar a Bishop como parte del equipo de transmisión antes y después del juego the Titans Radio in WGFX 104.5 The Zone. You can hear you on game days before and after the game oh. on 104.5 The Zone. This is where it gets interesting. Está representado por KMG Sports Management. They've got your agency out there. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bishop también ha sido locutor de los Juegos del Campeonato Estatal de Fútbol Americano de las Escuelas Secundarias de Tennessee junto con su ex compañero de equipo de los Titans, Kevin Dyson. So you announced some state championship football in Tennessee, alongside Kevin Dyson, which I did not know about you. Yes, I did. Do high, I used to do high school uh, the uh, championships. Yeah, on the weekend there at uh, Cookville. Okay, yeah, way, way go is play, right? Hugar. Yes, play. Okay, I remember that from Spanish class. Uh, <laughs> also, man, you sound really fluent there. there de Lucas, una programa de radio in Nashville, Yamato. Yamato is call, right? Yamar is call. Yes. Call See, program uh, called Blaine and Mickey. Uh, oh, wow. Miss Field, it's, my Spanish it, teacher, is somewhere like yeah, okay. That's impressive, there, Mickey. <laughs> okay, I see you. Okay. All right. Now, how do you say call your shot, Mickey? Uh oh. Well, Lucas, can you help him? What, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 play is 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 uh, uh, Hugar, right? Hugar, is that right? Now, now he's uh, stop. Call your shot. I would say it's Yamatutiro. Tiro, oh, like T I R O. Not Tiro. even close. No, Yamatutiro. That's what I would guess it would be. Call is is uh, what Yamar Yamos, y- uh, Yama, 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 yeah. Yamatutiro. Or Yama. L L A M A. Blaine is over here knowing some of this yeah, stuff and yeah. just letting me bury yeah. myself. Yeah, but okay. I'm gonna just give you a little hint. My wife's middle name is Cortez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was very nice of them to do that. Very nice. I they love those accounts. That's really out. cool. Yeah, that the fact that you cool. actually know what they're saying, Lucas, is pretty amazing. You're doing it. Then a he could translate it. So great like, job as our yeah. show translator. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Your 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 tongue can move in a lot of different ways. Oh there. <laughs> just, just play the outro. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> hey, I was just saying because I can't speak Spanish like that. It's all because of my tongue inflection oh, when I'm saying those words. But anyway, I'm calling my shot. Okay. There will be a dance Fitzpatrick fighting. He will have over 100 yards of this game. Dance Fitzpatrick. Okay. He's uh, going to say, how you like that, Mickey? Lots. So the chat says WTF to all of this. And I don't think he's talking about the Washington team of football. My shot is this. Jeremy McNichols is going to play a lot. He will be the offensive MVP <laughs> tomorrow night. My man's trying to make the team. We got to go. Three HLs next. Happy weekend, everybody. Get your tongue action right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and stay safe from <laughs> Lucas's tongue. <laughs> See ya.